Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched three movies requested by listeners through iTunes reviews. The first of the three is Ex Machina, directed by Alex Garland and released in 2015. The plot of Ex Machina goes something like this. A programmer is invited to the isolated home of his reclusive and mysterious boss, ostensibly to help him with his artificial intelligence research. Isn't it ostensibly for something else and then he finds out it's artificial intelligence research? Yes. And then, <laughs> yes. I wanted intelligence or artificial intelligence to be there in the summary. Yeah. Because it's kind of the key point. It is. The whole movie. But yeah, I, it, it's a, it's the, he wins a contest to do something. Yeah. The boss re- sends, sends him this thing and says, Oh, you've won a contest to come and stay at my house for a week. Right. To help out with some project. Yeah. So Ex Machina is a, um, I thought it was an interesting film. Um, about something that is uh, really topical. Mm. And to me, it kind of feels like a good jumping off point for a lot of movies to start following on from, but it didn't really feel like a complete movie to me. Mm. I don't know. I probably thought that felt that way when I saw it the first time, but I watched it again to do this review and I liked it a lot more. I started to see some of the bigger themes they were going for, but it is quite... It's quite gentle, and that it's got that thing where a lot of it is text, I don't know about not gentle. subtext. I wouldn't, I, w- I, I wouldn't have used the word gentle to describe ex machina. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It felt to me like it was a short film mm. that was like padded out to make a full movie. Yeah, it, it had this kind of like I felt like a lot of the parts they were just treading water. I did like wonder. let's put in another scene for Oscar Isaac to chew scenery in, or let's put in another moody scene of lights going out or whatever. Dance break. Dance. Well, the dance break was was uh, unsettling. I, Oscar Isaac was always unsettling. It was this one of the strengths of the movie is how oh, yeah, unsettling he, was, he, he is. Was good. Um, I thought the, the, the trio of main actors were good. Mm. Um, I just think that it, it just didn't feel to me like they had finished the script before they made them something felt like it was off to me there was also this kind of grandiose language that they used in the script that felt a little off to me like it it was very unnatural and they may have been doing that on purpose to unsettle you but it also meant that I didn't ever feel like anything was genuine yeah because they do talk a bit like some kind of like a pretentious third year philosophy student who and their friends who after smoking a lot of pot kind of discussions yeah lots of big words and intellectual showing off yeah which isn't to say I didn't like it I, I quite I thought it was quite interesting and very beautiful and kind of you know it, it just felt like more of an intellectual debate mm. <laughs> there wasn't like a lot of emotion in it for me there wasn't a lot of like I didn't get a lot of feeling out of it I didn't it, uh, there was kind of unsettled and then it was finished mm. like it, it never kind of rose above that to be affecting to me yeah like you sort of you you never really grow particularly attached to anybody and it doesn't it kind of seems like it doesn't want you to grow attached to anybody and so the the way it finishes is just not as uh, I feel like the way it, it finishes should be terrifying for me mm. because I am genuinely afraid of artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. as you know. Um, but genu- genuine, uh, generally, watching movies with robots in them doesn't actually bother me much. But I feel like the ending should have been upsetting to me because well, it's like yeah. the the artificial intelligence, you know, is intelligent enough to uh, kill her um, captors and escape. And yeah, well, I mean, there, but there there is the whole like uh, parallel of 
it being about women rising up against men and killing them and going on to rule the world. That's, I think, where see, I don't, the but I, I don't really enjoy was. that um, because the women are very much objectified in this movie, not just by the men <laughs> in the movie, but also by the camera. Yeah, I know. And you're like, I know what you're trying to do here, but I don't think you're doing it well. Yeah. And I had a real problem with that through the whole thing, where I was like, yeah, I get what you're doing. The women are literally objects. Um, and but I don't kind of see their boobs quite that much. Right. And mm. there's this kind of uh, – also, the bit at the end of the movie where she took the skin off the other girl and put it on herself. And I'm like, you have totally different skin tone. Well, and and for some reason, that just really bothered me. Well, it, yeah. And also, like, like, I wasn't sure if those robots could still work. Like, maybe, you know, she's just stealing their bits and pieces, spare parts, so that she can move on. Like, anyway. Well, actually, no, that didn't – I mean – morally I, I couldn't care less it was the fact that <laughs> I was like but that technically wouldn't work well, like, and the why other... is the skin coming off and, and it wouldn't yeah, look and the same Jade, on the that other you. robot is also taller an entirely different race has completely different hair and boobs mm. <laughs> like her whole her whole body shape is different there's yeah. no way that the two of them would share skin no we're we're going very spoilery here, <laughs> but yeah, it, it I don't know. It just like, but the, the, by the time it got to the end and the ending was happening, I was just sort of like, I didn't have any disbelief left. Mm. I, I didn't. It does. I find it found it dragged a bit, especially the second time. There were quite a few bits that that just kind of you know, it just kind of went on and on. I was sort of waiting for the exciting bits to happen. Yeah, that's what I meant by the short film kind of yeah, not, not properly that's fleshed out. What I, was, I did wonder if it was a, a short, originally a short story, but I I don't know. I feel like some of the best bits are like when Domhnall Gleeson's character – by the way, they're called Caleb and Nathan, and I cannot remember for the life of me which one's Caleb and which one's Nathan. Caleb is Donald Gleeson's character and Nathan is Oscar Isaac. In my head, they're very similar names. Be- is that because Nathan Fillion played the preacher Caleb on Buffy? Yeah, it is partly that. They're also both <laughs> biblical. Um, but yes, it, it, it is partly, I think, that I conflate those because yeah. Nathan played Caleb. But yeah, so I had a lot of difficulty figuring out. I, when I was writing the review, I'm like, which one is which again? But yeah. yes, when when Caleb is approaching the house, mm-hmm. and I, I thought that was a really good scene. Well, when he gets off the helicopter, this suspense mm. of what's going to happen next, and then what's going to happen, what happens next is so bizarre. And then I actually think the first scenes where um, Oscar Isaac is talking to Domhnall Gleeson do that as well. You're kind of like, but I, I mean, I knew what was going on because I know anything about this movie, which is kind of a problem, I guess. Mm. But it is really like there's this feeling that you have that Domhnall Gleeson's kind of had the rug pulled out from under him and he's just scrambling for mm. purchase for the whole rest of the movie. They do an excellent job of that of that rug pulling. Like Oscar Isaac sort of wandering around the house frequently shirtless and barefoot and like he just sort of – he just behaves very oddly and then you t- he takes him into that – terrifying shining like corridor where his room is which is complete is just in this concrete bunker it's horrifying whenever i think of that i'm i'm just horrified because i'm like that's all underground and there's no windows and there's no way out and it makes me think of your thing your um tokyo subway related fears about being underground and being trapped underground mm. and i, I just like I, that is really unsettling but I, just the way that oscar isaac behaves like you just never know What's going to come out of his mouth? You can't tell when he's joking, when he's not joking, and mm. and and then we start to see like just all the other weirdnesses of the house. Like, from the first having his photo taken at the front mm. door, and that the way his face just looks 
which is how you would look if you'd had a photo just taken by a flash camera, not being allowed in certain rooms. That's the um, that's the bluebeard metaphor coming back again, but it's not <laughs> obviously it's not um it's not quite the same in the the relationship is different, but yeah, they do such a good job of that. That's yeah. one of the things I really noticed this time. See, that for me was more interesting than the actual kind of main storyline. The Turing test itself, even though I like Alicia Vikander, I found very boring. Mm. Like I didn't get out of it. And I think it's, it might be a like that kind of gender relations thing where it's her kind of flirting and and all that sort of stuff. But I was like, this is, where's the intellectual exercise stuff that we're, you know, that we're trying to get to here. And it's all very, I don't know. It just didn't feel, it, it never felt real to me. Mm. None of those scenes landed with me. And I don't know exactly what it was about them, but they never kind of, they never really made me feel anything. Mm. I never felt anything when any of those scenes were happening. I, I felt more like when she was, completely without him and by herself mm. and just acting yeah. than I ever did when she was opposite Domino Gleeson. Maybe it's just that the two actors don't have very good chemistry together. Mm. Yeah, I certainly was on their side as in I wanted them to escape, but I mm, – it was just – it was a weird kind of – I didn't really feel like there were sides, thing. which is strange. I didn't feel yeah. like there were sides. Like I was sort of like – or not as in like it's them versus – him kind of an idea i felt like but maybe I, I didn't know anything about the plot of the movie i figured out that alicia vikander was working against both of them very very quickly oh. like very quickly like maybe in the first or second conversation that she has with caleb i was like oh she's working against both of them she's playing him yeah. like i figured out she was playing him really early um so for me it was all about like the three of them were playing these games and basically that caleb was just a pawn who was yeah. not very bright and being moved from one side to the other yeah, all the no, time. Yeah, no, no, that was definitely – I think that's definitely what was going on. Um, but I like I liked him enough to want to have him escape with her. I didn't, didn't and I didn't really care about him and I don't know what that <laughs> – but I, the thing is I like Domhnall Gleeson as an actor. This is the second movie in which I really haven't liked his character very much. Uh, um, there's also, there's um, About Time, which you know I hate. Yeah. About Time? Yeah, yeah, but I think that's time, what it's called. I hate, uh, hate. And then this one where both of them he's playing ostensibly nice people where I'm just like, no, I can't, I don't like them at all. Um, and Caleb, I was just like, he's so – he's so – all of them are so fake, right? But Caleb is fake in this way that we're meant to believe it's sincere. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like that very much as a person – on a, as, as a personal level. I think mm. he played the role quite well. I just – he's the yeah. kind of person I wouldn't like. Right, right. He's kind of – too invested in the idea that he's a nice person. Yeah. And he's not interested enough in challenging anything, even when he's being presented with this. It's too, he's also incredibly easily thrown off by other people. Yeah. Like he, we never, he's all, he's from the minute we meet him thrown off any, any sense of equilibrium. He's, he's, all, he's first, he's under this thrall of Nathan's character and then he's under the thrall of Ava's character and he never, he never is able to, find himself in that mm. he just kind of we don't get really a sense of what he who he is no. as a person um it's interesting yeah so uh, i mean uh, that's that kind of like it's a it's an exercise mm. in what's going on less and there's not a lot of feeling involved in it mm -hmm. um i think uh, the atmosphere was fantastic i yeah. mean it's it's fantastic atmospherically like the house that, that they shot it in is actually a hotel apparently 
Uh, that I makes Googled so much this. more sense for the hallways. I was like, it looks just like the hotel from The Shining. Mm. Well, and it's also, it kind of makes sense for him. I mean, he doesn't really have a, it's not really his home, mm. Nathan's home, so much as it's like his a compound. Com- yeah. And, and where he experiments and where he's yeah. doing all this stuff. And it also, it, I, I thought Oscar Isaac was easily the best part of this movie mm-hmm. because there's so many things going on with Nathan where like he's been basically alone for what seems like a long time he's very reclusive he's not had any contact with actual people no they're all his creations that he's been interacting with and so he has this kind of Dr. Moreau like madness yeah but it's in this kind of tech bro uh, programmer kind of guy, which is great because it, it's very relatable. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's kind of like this modern Doctor Moreau like thing, right? Like yeah, it yeah. was very. I thought that was a great character, and he had a great take on that character. And he was mm. so kind of like one minute he'd be so charming, and that's what mm. and that's great casting because he can do that. He can be very charming and make you forget just how much of a weird jerk he was ten seconds ago mm-hmm. and then suddenly he's a weird jerk again. And yeah. he, did, he was really good in it. And the whole look that he had going on was, you know, also kind of weird and yeah, well, but the, also very modern. Well that's what I mean with that um what I was talking about him throw they actually use his wardrobe to throw Caleb off off kilter early on because he's often wandering around shirtless or just in like a singlet or but a that very makes sense, low he cut lives V top. By himself. Yeah, yeah. He's he's got no kind of boundaries because he's so used to robots. He just assumes he's got another one. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, and it kind of, but also he really wants that connection with Caleb. Yeah, because so he's the it's, only person he's seen in years. It's it's very it's really interesting from that perspective to see that character work going on. Mm. I feel like Alicia Vikander really tried with Ava. But she, yeah. she wasn't given that much to do, which is odd because she's kind of the character that everything hinges on. But again, when she was by herself, she was better than any of the scenes where she was with any other people, which I thought was really strange. Um, and and I, I feel like the writing for her was not very strong. Mm. Like, we are given the – I mean, we, we do know her motive. Her motive is to get away, yeah. um, obviously, like, and to survive. But it never really feels like it's – like you don't, I don't feel like I got a strong sense of that whenever she was with other people, mm. or any. Like I, I got a much stronger sense of who she was when she was just alone. Um, yeah, I did. Although I think a lot of the point of her conversations with Caleb are about her learning the talent for manipulation and learning her. It kind of felt like she already knew it though, which is really strange. So she builds on it. Like, she I does think build. She builds, yeah. and but I think it she feels learns... like right from the start she already knows how to manipulate. Well, she, I mean, Caleb is particularly easy to manipulate, oh so she God, kind of doesn't so have is. much of a target to work on. Like she's got to work harder to <laughs> on the others. But I mean, the fact that she is so good at manipulation is is all because she is a creation of Nathan. Like, Nathan created the very monsters that overthrew him because he is the way he is. Right, but then also the only way to prove that they have artificial intelligence is for them to overthrow him, essentially. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, he's created – that's that's the paradox that he's created. Yeah. But it's – it's. I just – I was really put off by how early I figured that stuff out. Uh-huh. Like, it, it. I feel like I just – figured it out. There were some things I didn't know, like there were a lot of other robots in the house. Mm. I thought it was only the two, yeah, um, Ava and, and then Jade was the first one. I thought that was it. And then yeah. it turns out there's a whole bunch of other more, ones yeah. and that was really creepy. And that's the Bluebeard That actually was there. Bluebeard. Yeah. He was keeping his, the women in the closets. Yeah. Um, but, but other things I figured out quite early on. 
And I feel like maybe I shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah, but I think you're, because you you work out plot twists mate, way better than I do, you get far less enjoyment out of a lot of things. Well, this one especially because I felt like <laughs> the whole thing's kind of predicated on that plot twist. Yeah. And I was like, oh, she's going to kill both of them. I didn't ever think that she had any kind of loyalty to Caleb. No. I mean, it's pretty – well – she doesn't – I mean, even – I'm trying to remember now back to first viewing because I just watched it a second time having, mm. you know, read reviews and stuff. So, But I think – I don't think I ever thought she was particularly loyal to him. I just – it just for the first couple of conversations, I wasn't sure she had it in her. Okay. I don't know. I always felt like she had it in her. I don't – it never really – but, yeah, maybe that's my whole – like prejudice against AIs where I'm like, mm. yeah, robots will kill anybody. Um, yeah. Whereas I, I, I say this, of... Data is my favorite character in Star Trek. Like yeah. I don't, I just, I don't, it, it freaks me out the concept of actual robots. I don't enjoy the idea, but I think there are more interesting things you could do with the idea of robots than what this movie ultimately does. Yeah. Well, again, because it is like a kind of a college exercise in doing a Turing test. Yeah. And it's kind of like a, a... a college horror movie, but, Fancier yeah. with a better budget, basically. Yeah, it's even got certain college tropes, like the um, weird, inscrutable billionaire who's dropped out early to go and run this company, kind of thing. Yeah, and like I said, the gender politics of it, I could see what they were trying to do. I think it might have worked better if there was a woman in the movie at some point, at the very beginning, maybe for a few minutes or something that would, uh, but I, I, it would mess with that claustrophobic. Yeah, sense and the atmosphere of it, but it uh, it would also kind of balance out the fact that really the only two women in the movie are women are inherently untrustworthy trope. Yeah, like that is a major part of Ava. Yeah. Um, they are both very heavily objectified, and they are objects, mm. literally, literally objects. objects. Yeah, and it and it's all about that sort of male fear that women's equality will mean that women will come to dominate them the way they dominate women. Yeah, and I can see that it's trying to kind of it it's it's challenging these ideas and putting these ideas forward and stuff. I, I could see what it was trying to do. I just didn't feel like it was accomplished that well, but I don't know how they would accomplish it better within the film that they had. If you're going to tackle that, then I feel like you should know what you're doing beforehand, I guess. And yeah. and how that's going to come across and what that's ultimately yeah. going to do. Because it is ultimately like there's a nice guy and an evil guy mm. and they both get screwed over by the manipulative woman. Yeah, exactly. And I came out the first time I saw it just going, I'm just feeling sorry for Alicia Vikander and the other actresses who had to play the robots. Yeah, I and felt very sorry for the girl who played Jade, man. Yeah. That okay, was a sh shitty role. Entirely naked the whole time. She was never on screen where she wasn't completely naked. Yeah, she was. Was she? Yeah. I thought she wears this like little tiny kimono thing most of the time. No, no, Jade is, no, sorry, you're talking about Kyoko. Oh, Kyoko. I didn't yeah. realize that. So, two Jade, is the, yeah. Jade is the one in the cupboard right. at the end. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. they are. Um, but, yeah, Kyoko, that's a terrible role. That's because she's his servant. I didn't realize they had different names. Yeah, no, she's she's his servant. And that's she's, it's awful. Like, she's, I think we introduced to her. I don't know. We're introduced to her when she comes into his bedroom in the morning. But then she's got a whole scene where she's essentially on her knees cleaning up a spilled wine glass and just awful, awful stuff. But I I also came, I came out feeling sorry for them because they were just so, like, there was so much focus on how they looked and how they moved and what, what even what they what they wore when it came to Ava. And, like, it was just awful. I just, I, even though I think the movie thinks it was being feminist or whatever, I don't, it just, they were like, they had these ideals but were still not able to, live up to them because mm. everything they showed was completely opposite to what they said. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I think the way that they there's there's other ways of filming people and there's other ways of of getting those points across without doing what you are against. Right, exactly. And like and, the- and there's allegories and things like that, but this isn't an allegory. It's 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 very text not subtext, yeah. like you said at the beginning. And so. even the way, like even the way Alicia Vikander's Ava looks before she's dressed or got skin on, even that's quite sexy. Like the way she's like, and I think the there's like metal that curves up under her boobs, and she's got like these little like it's very it, even the way as even as a ro- even if you can have a sexy robot, she's a sexy robot. Yeah, of course you can have sexy robots. And it's they just, have them all the time, yeah. <laughs> and they do that all the time with like uh, you know you can the and the the feminization of it, they they actually directly address the sexualization yeah. of the robots in the text of the film again. Again, this film text. Is text, but it you 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 can say that, but you're still doing the same thing. Mm. Like you you don't get to sort of call out what you're doing and then yeah like, that's oh no that makes it okay you know what I, that's that's what i call moffeteering when you call out something and then just do it anyway mm. anyway um so that's yeah. ex machina yeah what did you give it uh probably three stars i gave it three and a half stars which is much higher than you would think based on what i said but i do think it was yeah there were a lot of really good things about it yeah i just felt like it was not quite complete yeah and i think part of the reason why my my general uh, discussion of it is so negative is because people are just really into this movie mm. and it for me didn't live up to those expectations at all yeah i think it's possible people get in really into it because they can see the characters as relatable oh i'm the nice guy oh i know a tech billionaire i don't know i think it's more that they just like the modern robots thing yeah i, I feel like it's just geeks are really into it because it's like they're a, into robotics and it's very topical and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, it is very top. I mean, it is it's something that you feel like might go on in some secret part yeah. of the world right now, and I think that's what people are are relating to. But I I feel like you know in five years we'll have a much better version of this movie come out, and it'll be fun <laughs> yeah, to watch okay. and interesting and cool and mm. go into those ideas more. Anyway, right. movie number two. Movie number two is Electric Children, which was directed by Rebecca Thomas and released in 2012. Um, the plot of Electric Children is that a 15-year-old girl in a secluded religious sect becomes pregnant and believes it was an immaculate conception. And before you write in, I know I've used immaculate conception incorrectly there, but I couldn't find a better way of saying it. No, she believes it was immaculate no, conception, no, because, doesn't she? No, if the Catholic folk will write in and tell you the immaculate conception is that Mary was born without sin, not that Jesus was born to a virgin. Don't they call it immaculate conception in this movie? Yes, they do. So we're not wrong. We're so just we're not copying wrong. what yeah. they said in the movie. We're just movie. copying what it said and also using it in the general English sense of it, not the theological sense. I just don't want people to write in because that's the kind of thing people – it's the Frankenstein's monster thing. People will write in about it because yeah. people are, you know, pedantic. Um, yes. But they, if they say it in the movie, yeah. then I feel like we're justified. Yeah. Um, this was um, – Yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah. So ahead. this is um, – this was another request that we had never heard of. In its favour, it has going for it. It's a coming-of-age story, indie, uh, twee, hipster, directed by a woman. Yay. Yes. That never is. happens. And and I did read a bit about this while I was watching the movie. I can imagine. Which is uh, uh, Rebecca Thomas, who directed it, is a uh, was a Mormon. She grew up Mormon. Oh, and, okay. Um, and her, at the time of the interviews so around 2012 um her brothers and father were still practicing and her mother and sisters were not oh, okay. and she wasn't um so this is i mean it's quite personal for her i think yeah. and, and and i think a lot of the details become more interesting when you know that however it it's a coming of age story but it's also very much a like 
a story about a sexually abused teenager mm. going around trying to find a husband. And I was so, so acutely aware of, in this and in Clueless, actually, of the 15-year-oldness of both the pro- of both of the uh, protagonists. The, that whole conversation about, sorry, I know we can do Clueless next, but the whole conversation about my man is satisfied, but technically I am a virgin. They're 15! Like, what? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. I was aware of that as well. Like, And she goes off to Las Vegas and people, like, let her into gigs and she just f- gets in the car with these guys and everyone's well, no, like, the bouncer did not let her into a gig. They did. She was allowed into the – remember the, the, she went yeah, to the band's the, gig? The, the second one. Yeah, the, the first, first guy one, didn't, he the was like, you need to be not. 18. Yeah. Yes. But she is a 15-year-old pregnant girl who I think was raped by her stepfather. Yeah. Right? That's – what the implication I think that is. is the implication, yeah. Yeah. It's never outright addressed, but I'm pretty sure that's that's the implication. So, like, why do coming-of-age stories for girls always have to be so shitty? Yeah, I know. Get raped and pregnant and stuck in a horrible cult. Yeah. Yeah, but then again, like, there is a universal element in there, particularly for American women, of forced maternity and forced religion and all that kind of stuff that I think is interesting and worth addressing. And I think often – the religious stories that are tend to be from the female perspective because for women it's just so much worse. It's not just the religion part of it though. It's it, there's so often sexual assault and things. Again, Clueless, uh, which mm. we will come up to later, yeah. is interesting on that front. But yeah, it is really kind of it's just it for me. It was a bit uh, disappointing, I guess. I don't know, but I mean, it's not this movie's fault. Well, it's kind of a larger problem. Yeah. And I think what the story this movie was trying to tell, there's not a whole lot of story there. Mm. I liked a lot of parts of it. Um, I found myself drifting quite often, but yeah, I don't think too. it was I don't think it was necessarily so much that it was boring as that it was meandering. Yeah. It it kind of just goes along. It doesn't have like this really clear, good story structure. It just kind of goes along and this happens and this happens and it was very it felt very indie to me. Yeah. When this is the other thing. I think you and I are not big fans of that sort of drifting hipster indie film scene. Yeah. Neither of us are big into it, so I think it's maybe not our thing, which is why I was kind of like trying to focus on the exciting bit of it, of actually a woman succeeding in that field. And she's been picked up to direct the next John Green adaptation as well. Cool. This director, Rebecca Thomas. That'll be. I think it'll be really good to have a woman directing a John Green yeah. adaptation, and it'll be good to see a different perspective from the same guy who directed the last two, because <laughs> they were very similar in their mm. styles, and she should bring something different to it. Yeah. Um, and she's got, I think, a really good eye. She's uses a lot of very iconic American landscapes very well, I think. I thought the best thing about this movie, actually, an odd thing to point out, but was the um, the sound design. Mm, mm. The sound design was excellent. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, those um, cassette tapes give, and, and the, the clunks and whirs of an old cassette player give a sound editor and a sound designer so much to work with. Yeah, that was the hipster stuff. But yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but no, not just those things. It was like the the sound of the waves and and the song that was the, the one that the she thought score. impregnated her was terrific. Yeah. Um, and the way that like music, there's these different kinds of music and and some of them are very jarring for uh, the yeah, main character thought- whose name is Rachel, and some of them were very kind of odd and interesting choices. I thought. Uh, mm the the way that sounds kind of sometimes overwhelm her and she because she's used to this silent home and, and yeah, that, that sort of sen- stuff it was really sensory interesting. overload of getting out and going to the, to Las Vegas is quite yeah. 
is quite an interesting contrast for her. Yeah, there's a an interesting thing with the score where it sounds like it was played on an old, slightly out of tune piano. Mm. It's not that the notes are off; it's that the instrument is off. I thought that was very clever as the way they the way they did that. I think with the 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 real father's guitar when they find him later on as well. He when he when he start, he plays the song for her, the guitar's slightly out of tune. Yeah, and it's good to have that kind of that always underpinning her sunny disposition mm. um, and her, you know, sense of humour and all that sort of thing, which is the only thing that kind of gets her through all of yeah. this stuff because it's pretty crappy what she goes through. Um, mm-hmm. There's also an interview with – in that same interview with the, the director, she said that it was about Joseph accepting Mary unconditionally in the new world. And I was like, Rory Culkin's character – I think Rory Culkin really – kind of tries Mm. and gets his character across quite well in this movie. But that guy is so nothing. Mm. Like he has no strong opinions on anything. And he only develops a strong his dog. Yeah, that's disturbing. And he only develops a strong opinion once it looks like some other guy might get her. Yeah. And can we also point out that he must be older than her? Yeah, he'd probably be at least 21 or so. I don't. Th- I don't think. S- I think they were going for younger than that because he gets kicked out by his parents. Right. So maybe I think he was. They were going for around maybe seventeen, eighteen. Right. So like, yeah, late teens, I guess. Yeah. I but think oh, that's still what, older. But than Roy her. Culkin wasn't when he made. And this. when and when you're um, and she was she was about the actress who is uh, what's her name Julia Garner. She's really good. Um, like that. She's uh, she was about nineteen when she made it. So I mean, it, it's still it's you know she's she's fifteen. Like that is actually a child. Yes. Yeah, um, the fact that she is fifteen and that and and then like her birth dad, who seems like a really great guy, then goes, "Okay, off you guys go." And I'm like, "She's fifteen. You'll let her run off together." What are you guys doing? Yeah, like why is everybody so perfectly happy to accept this fifteen-year-old wandering around by herself? Yeah, and then getting into all of these situations and then like going off with this guy to live in a tent on a beach, like. What are you people and it, doing? But the thing and is, she drives the truck by herself. And you're like, wow, that's pretty normal for a farm kid. I know, but the whole thing is just she's driving a truck around by herself, like in Las Vegas, yeah, in that dress that makes her very, very out of place. How are cops not picking yeah, well, up on it, this? Because exactly, when she's dressed like that, she looks way younger than she really is. Yeah. The thing is, though, you kind of there are points at which, like, her mother helps her escape because her mother knows what's gone on and she, that she's been assaulted. Somehow, whether it, the mother thinks seems to think it's by the stepbrother. Yeah, I don't but, think that anybody actually knows what happened till right no. at the end. Like, so Will, Mister Will. Um, yeah, I don't get who know why was, they do that. That was weird. It's a, it's a. Um, I, I read about it. It's something to do with he's an apprentice who's learning to become the head of the household, okay, and that's why right. he gets the title. Something like that. Um, but he, uh, he seems to listen to the tape. But he's the only one who's listened to the tape when they go to get her, right? Mm. Oh, no, him and, and Rory Culkin have listened to the tape. Yeah. Which I'm assuming contains her admission of what happened. Mm-hmm. So they've listened to the tape. So those two seem to know what's happening. Although I'm not convinced that Ror- that they listen to the same thing because Rory Culkin is then quite polite to the father while Will, like, opens a door on him and seems to break his arm or something. Yeah. So... I don't know if they listen to the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> but Will seems to know by the end of the movie what's happened, while everybody else seems to think that Will raped his sister. Yeah. Except for Will, who clearly knows, knows that he, he didn't. didn't. Um, yeah. He's also the kid from um, from the um, 
series of unfortunate events movie. Oh, is he right? Yeah. Okay. It's, it took me a while to figure yeah, it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so yeah, he, so you saw, so, but, I mean, like, her mother encouraging her to get away and giving her the keys, I, that's. I don't think that's about her knowing that the father no, raped No, it's about, her. The, but she assumes the brother has. I and so she wants. No, but the brother's already been kicked out by then. Yeah, I think it's about that she doesn't want to her daughter to have to be have to marry this guy. Forced married, yeah. Yeah, I think that's no. the Yeah. So you you understand why the mum is more than happy for her to get out yeah. in a way. No, yeah. The mum I'm fine with. It's yeah. everybody else. And, and I mean the stepdad uh, not the stepdad, the real the biological dad. That's a that is weirder, that one. Yeah. Because, I mean And he's been in the real world. And it seems like he's not like he says, you know, I'm not. I can't financially support you or whatever. But he obviously has enough wherewithal and resources to, you know, bail out Mr. Will and all this kind of all this other stuff, and also give away his beloved Mustang at the end. Mm. So uh, it is, you know, he's like, oh well, she's 15. I'm sure she'll be fine. They yeah, that's off weird. Like, why doesn't he try and mm. do something? She's also been in a cult. Like. Yeah, is this nobody is trying to deprogram? I feel like there's this kind of magical realism sheen to this well, movie that, that makes it like, oh, we can get away with this because it's got this kind of sensibility to it. But there's all these things that you're like, how did she find the guy with the red Mustang? How did this bit happen? How did that? How did she happen across this thing and, and that thing? Yeah. And, and you get to a point where you're just like, what does she eat? Yeah. How, did she how get- does she have? Well, how does she pay for anything? How does anyone buying petrol? That's what I was asking because they they drive these huge distances. She yeah. drives from somewhere in Utah, Utah to Las Vegas with like a backpack. So how does she have money for fuel for that truck? Yeah, what? How is she supporting herself? It also took me a while to figure out when it was set because she says mm. it's 1996 at one point. Oh, but I right. think she, it, she was uh, she was born in 1990. You know, they say she was born in 1996. Yeah, she yeah, was born point. in 1990. So I I missed that, and I was like, for for a so, long time, I thought it was set in 1996, and then I saw the cell phones, and I was like, oh. yeah, no, it's it's. You know, I I remember hearing them say that because I just looked up the actress's birth date, and she was born in 1994. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I was trying to work it out as well because at, at first, of course, you're like, oh, this could be any time in one of those, you know, Amish fundamentalist Mormon, you know isolationist communities where they all wear those weird long dresses. Yeah. And that's why it, it's quite nice when they first go, she and the mum go into the into the town and go into a regular supermarket to buy a pregnancy test. Mm. Like that is actually when we finally... She also wears the best dress in that bit. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. And uh, Billy Zane is in this movie. Yeah, he's the stepdad. And a Culkin. So it definitely, I, maybe that was why I got so many 90s vibes from Yes, yeah. like this is so 90s. And Rory Culkin's hair. It, it, oh my it's god, so oh 90s. the skateboarding as well. Yeah, the All skateboarding. The skateboarding. Exactly. This is what the, this is why I kept thinking. The, um, it was- and a lot of the Las Vegas stuff takes place in like the back alleys and sort of the the skate parks and the alleyways and the sort of behind big buildings and it's all in the daylight. It is very. It does have a 90s vibe, and that's probably got to do with like I don't actually look up the age of the director, but if you do look it up, I wouldn't be surprised to find if she that she came of age in the 90s. Yeah. And so, therefore, those experiences are what she's feeding into this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how great was Mr. Will when he was high? Uh, yes. 
I you guys of- are speaking Japanese, and then you started to speak Japanese. <laughs> Not so much speak it, but yeah. Um, no, I kind of like, there was a period of time where I was like, I wish this movie could be about him for a bit because he was so much well, more fun for a little while. Yeah, and but- it's, well, it's kind of interesting too because he has also, he's also been mistreated and abused by this cult yeah. that he's stuck in, and he goes back at the end. Now, the implication is he goes back to make know, it better, take on his father, and but still, like, that's awful. Why he is a maybe sixteen or seventeen years old? Why isn't somebody taking care of him and trying to get? Well, him I out think he's a really interesting character. Actually, I was more interested in him than I think anybody else in the movie. Mm. Um, the mother is interesting as well. The kind of she's my favorite of of what she did and her choices and stuff yeah, like that. That was interesting. Um, and we know that she had an affair. With the biological dad of of um, yeah. of Rachel, well, and there's this whole bit about I Mustang as I, well, which like Rachel knows the Mustang is a car. Yeah, from when she's telling the story, so she knows her mother's telling her a sex story. Yeah, it's it's quite obvious, but she doesn't know what's she doesn't seem to know how people actually, actually get pregnant. So it's very strange. I, I'm not sure that. Sorry, just going back to something. I'm not sure the mother had an affair. I think she had sex with that guy then and was forced to marry. The stepfather. That's but that then was Mr. Will is her son, right? Oh, and is he older? Oh, yeah, and he he's older, older than. Okay, no, that must be because the way she's dressed in that Mustang scene as well. She's wearing like jeans and a t-shirt and yeah, has, like ordinary hair. Well, maybe she left the cult for a little while and or, then went back. Or perhaps they weren't in the cult at that point. In oh the, yeah, in the in the relationship, maybe they were just like regular religious folk or whatever. Yeah. See, I was trying happens. to piece together the backstory of a lot of these things. Yeah. And I just because, kept I mean, finding these holes. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, the poetic way to do it would have been that her mother also got pregnant and then was forced into this marriage that she... Yeah, but that's, that's not, really not the case. actually what's happened when you think it through. <laughs> Unless uh, Billy Zane had Mr. Will from a previous marriage. Yeah, I mean... And then they... I don't know. But she also, the mother said she was, she says, has this line about how the mother was surprised every time she had yeah. a baby, which I was like, that's strange. Well, yeah. Well, that, I mean, that, again, that's that thing about women and re- what's her religion keeping women from knowing anything about their own bodies. And But her mother was not always in a cult, right? Like, there's a very strong implication yeah, that her mother the, wasn't always in a cult. So clearly the mother does. Well, I mean, maybe, but I mean. And she knows when she's pregnant, but still doesn't know how people get pregnant. Um, She obviously yeah. knows from the mother, but there's there's a lot of these kind of. Well, I, I I, no, no, I think this the surprise also has to do with the, um, Rachel convinces herself that this pregnancy is an act of God, it's preordained, the baby is meant to be. Yeah. And whereas I think her mother is more prosaic about it and it, it's more like, oh, right, I got pregnant, whoops. <laughs> or, oh, that's happening. Yeah. It's it, a rather like a more of a biological action than a than a divine one. Yeah. Like a, a baseness. I don't a, know. There's a lot of things in this movie that I feel like kind of get – because you're trying – scrambling really hard for hints about what's happened anyway. Yeah. So I kept picking up all these hints about all these different things, and I was like, that's been dropped, that's been dropped. The main dude shot a dog. I can't get past that. I can't get over that. Like, he says he shot his dog. Yeah, it's And awful. I'm like, no, you – from that point on, I hated him. Right. I, I couldn't get past that. I seemed to forget that he'd shot his dog. I was – I didn't – I tried – I just sort of didn't believe him. I thought he was going to say he'd shot his stepfather or something. Yeah, I thought that, that was going to come sense. out – I thought that was going to come out as being different as well. And yet, no, it just seems to be the truth. Yeah. I don't – and I don't understand what that character was meant to be. I still don't understand what that character, what the appeal of that character was. No, or, and, or the appeal of to her of actually 
going through with continuing in that relationship as well. Like, I mean, his if name I'm is leave, Clyde. If I have and, and the whole like, if she has to leave, she has to leave with him. Like, why can't she leave on her own? Why can't she try? You know, why? I think that, that is the, the Joseph only and option? Mary religious allegory, which I think we miss a lot of the religious stuff as well because we are not religious. Yeah, that's probably. I true. definitely missed a lot of the religious or like the. I don't have any religious affiliation going into it. No. I understand a lot of the religious references. Right. But I don't have any particular feeling of like mm-hmm. connection with God or anything in right. it. Right. So. But I mean, they, yeah, they, um, there is that in there. I guess I was sort of overlooking. I was like, yes, there's that bit where she qu- quotes Corinthians and there's that bit where she, you know, she reads from the Mary and <laughs> Joseph story. She also says at one point that Clyde might be the spawn of Satan, which made me laugh really hard, which <laughs> Probably I Probably true. Yeah. <laughs> I liked that bit. Mm. But yeah, so there were, I don't I know. Liked, actually things. like, I quite like the bit where when they first get to Las Vegas and there are two girls who show up who are obviously yeah. work there and they're really, really sweet yeah. to these out of towners and they take care of them and they help them out. I really like that bit as well. I think and they like, just, they like them. Yeah. I they genuinely like them. There's, which is yeah. Nice. There's a really nice sort of bit of sisterhood in there. And I didn't, I, in one of the reviews I read, I didn't actually spot this. Apparently in the scene where they're buying the pregnancy test from the, the supermarket there's a woman behind them who kind of furtively grabs a pregnancy test off the shelf and then runs away <laughs> and um and then we also get these girls who work in some kind of las vegas entertainment style thing it's never specifically stated exactly what they do but mm. they're in tiny little skimpy outfits and that kind of stuff and there's this kind of sisterhood we're all in this together the very very religious sheltered girl who you know, knows nothing about her body. And then these other women who are just like ordinary women who are embarrassed about their body in the supermarket or, and then other women who use their bodies as the way they make money. And, but none of them are judged or seen as any different from one another, any better than one another. Yeah. I just remembered that right after that, there's this bit where I'm pretty sure what happens is she says she got pregnant from the tape and then we cut. And then later on she's crying and I'm like, did, I feel like Rory Culkin just gave her the sex talk mm. and then she figured out how, where babies really came from and then yeah. she figured out what's going on. She starts crying and he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, you just shattered her entire worldview. Yeah. But that's never explicit. Everything is very implicit and I know that we, we like – We were just complaining about a movie that had too much text, but yeah, yeah. I totally get I, it. There's a, there's a line, people. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's, there's, you know, there's a, there's a balancing act that you can have between – nothing is stated outright and everything is stated outright. Yeah. Um, and it's it's somewhere in between these two movies, clearly, because it was very frustrating to not know what was going on at any point. And I understand it's from her point of view, but but we don't get to see stuff that's happened from her point of view. We never see the point at which she's realized what's happened. We never see no. her, confe- her we never hear not confession, confession, but like it, the confession seems to be that no, something's I think gone, the word, she's done I something think wrong. But in Mormon, it would be called like, a testimony yeah actually but yeah we never get to do see any of that stuff so it just it, it kind of was it was pretty um the girl uh julia garner was very good mm. um she really kind of sold it but there's other things there's these little ticks that the movie has like when they have the conversation between the dad the biological father and her and all the dialogue is happening but it's close up on their faces and they're not talking and you're like why what is the point of this? It's just a, it's just there to be, you know, dreamy and magical real yeah. stuff. But it's, well, it's a bit silly. Like when we have a 30-second shot of the waves crashing on the beach. Oh, no, that on. was all right, actually. I didn't mind that. <laughs> um, but only because it, it brings you back to the beginning. She says, let's go back to the beginning. She hears the sound of the waves. It's it's uh, And I, I liked the audio of the movie. So I felt like that was kind of a mm. like tying in for her that 
that's the peaceful sound that like she's found peace at the end of it. Okay. So that that didn't really bother me very much. It was it was much more the like silly things like when you do things that are completely unnecessary that like have give nothing to the movie and are just there because you think it looks cool and yeah. it's or, or like um, more frustrating than anything because um, they mumble. Well, yes, when Rachel and her bio dad pull up on the road and Kieran Culkin's just burned the car and he, in, instead of walking straight to the car, he sits down for a second and, like, and then we, saw, we see him get in the car. It's like weird little moments that were like, what does this add? Yeah, it didn't really, they were, odd, they were both odd directing or odd acting choices. I don't know which one. I, it does feel like a very uh, freshman-y attempt at a film. Yeah, and it was. It was a first feature. Yes. So there's that. I mean, yeah, it's. I don't know. It, it was, and it's no worse than, and like any number of other coming of age type indie hipster things made no, by men. It's not. And in fact, it provides something of a refreshing perspective. That it does compared to those. It's certainly nowhere near my favorite of any of the uh, coming of age movies I've seen. But I'm still really partial to Itumama Tambien on that front. Fair so, um, do we want to give this one a rating? Yeah, um, three stars. I was going to give it two and a half stars. Fair enough. Um, I think I got a little bit frustrated with it a little bit more often. Yeah, okay, fair enough. It's sort of still it's sticking in my head, but then it is the most recent one of these that I watched. Yeah, see, when I got here today, I could not remember mm. huge chunks of this movie, So, and I watched it today. Yeah, fair enough. So, there's that. Yeah. Um, it it might have been, if I'd seen it at the cinema, I might mm-hmm. have been a little bit yep. more sort of yeah. swept up in it. I don't know, though. It might have just been more frustrating. Mm. Anyway, yeah. All right. last Mo- movie, movie number three is Clueless, um, which, of course, is a teen comedy classic from 1995 directed by Amy Heckerling. So, yay, lots of female-directed movies today. Yeah, two out of three. I don't think this has ever happened before where we've had two female-directed movies in a row. No, it's so cool. rare. Um, yeah. An update of Jane Austen's Emma for the 90s. Cher is a pretty smart, rich teen used to getting her way. She thinks she's great at matchmaking for her friends and herself until her schemes fall apart. Yes. Um, this movie is going to be hard for me to review. I barely made any notes while I was watching it, but it's it's so much a part of my childhood and my teen years mm. that I it's it's really hard to review. Although I did really appreciate the opportunity to go back as an adult and find all the problematic shit. Well, actually, I think when when you were talking about them being fifteen and the man is satisfied thing, I actually think the movie is calling that out. Mm. Um, I think this movie is very critical of. Uh, what teenagers get up to in LA mm. and I think they're doing it in this fun kind of poppy way but she's also going this is really dark yeah because it's really disturbing that they're three 15 year old girls and two of them are sexually active and not just sexually active but the one who isn't yeah. is being shamed for it as though she is somehow not cool or you're a virgin who can't drive oh god I know. um but yeah, no, it, it is really, uh, it's not just that. There's, um, the Travis storyline, the Breck and Meyer storyline, which is that he, uh, um, actually goes to AA and gets off drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and they're doing drugs at parties and they yeah. do, they have this talk about how, um, there's, it's one thing to, you know, be high all day and it's another to sometimes do drugs at parties. I think it is very, and, and like the, the sexual assault in the car, mm. um, and how everybody makes that about Ty. Yeah, and about Ty um, not getting Elton, um, mm. which is really strange. Like, but it is this kind of. It, I I feel like Amy Heckling is actually pointing these things out and going, the stuff that these kids are up to is not. Yeah, well, acceptable. I mean, this is this is an update of Jane Austen, so satire is what it is. Yeah, but it's it's done in a really kind of interesting way, where it's this very 
there's this very kind of poppy, upbeat yeah. sheen to it, mm-hmm. but there's this darker undercurrent to the movie. Yeah, yeah. I appreciated that a lot more this time well, around. Well, I think it's different when you're watching it as a teenager and they're either a little bit older than you or around your age. Like, even when I was in late high school, I always sort of thought of them as being about my age, but they're not, they're 15. Um, but so they're 16. She's 16 by the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, which is important because that makes her Josh. relationship with Josh legal. Yeah. Because um, up until that point, he's a pedophile. Yeah, yeah. Um, damn. Damn it. Damn it. Now I've completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my um, God. They're 15-year-olds. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. You, I'm just, you were thinking yeah. about how they were the same age as you when you were a teenager. Yeah, when I was a teenager. So I think that you do have a bit of a different perspective when you're actually a teen as opposed to watching it when you're in your 30s and you yeah. look at them and you're like, oh, my God, these babies, these poor babies. Who is, t- who is taking care of these kids? Well, yeah. I mean, there's a whole plot point about how nobody's taking care of Cher. No, Cher she's is taking, taking care, care of, of everyone else. else. Yeah. yeah. Well, her maid is, but, uh, well, but I she's mean, partly doing she's it. She's taking care of her dad and stuff, which is you know it's not cool yeah no exactly and and the the relationship that she has with her dad like she adores him he's a terrible father and probably a terrible person i think the only good thing he does in the entire movie is to maintain his relationship with josh and say that thing about how you divorce wives you don't divorce children mm. and uh the relationship with josh is super weird cuz they were once stepbrother yep. and sister, but yep. not for very long. But then they kind of have an almost siblingy kind of thing going on. And yeah. then, but I think the chemistry between Alicia Silverstone and Paul Rudd and Paul Rudd's just like overwhelming charm in this movie so cute. is is enough to kind of offset that. Yeah, you forget about that because he's so adorable. Yeah, you, you're just like, yeah, of and course so, you're in love with Josh. Everybody watching this movie is in love with Josh. Because so many of the men in this movie are such shits. Well, Elton's pretty lovely. Not Elton. Elton's that's the, awful. Sorry, yes, Elton's I know. a creep. I always think that the gay one's called Elton. He's called Christian. Christian. I mix yeah, up their yeah. names no, he's, because he's all right. yeah. of the obvious Elton John thing. Yeah, okay. No, so Christian is is fine. Um, and But like... No, Christian is, is not just... he's. Like, he's a dork, but he's a really nice dork. And he does, he's really careful about boundaries. Yeah. As soon as he realizes that she is interested in him, he, he like, he sets that boundary really strongly and yeah. says, I'm, this isn't going to happen. But he also, when, like, Ty's in trouble, he goes racing over to yeah, help her yeah, before, before Cher does. Um, he's very caring about people. He's, he, he's, I mean, he's a really nice person. Mm, yeah. Like, yeah. He's a sweetheart. Murray's actually not. He's not as horrible as he likes to make out that he is. Well, the thing about Murray, I think, is there's uh, there's actually quite an interesting, again, the, the uh, discussion there is around kind of black culture, mm. right? Like the discussion around Murray and, and yeah. Dion's relationship and stuff and the stuff that Murray gets up to in this movie and the way that he talks. And he even says at one point, like, a lot of the street talkers has these undertones. Yeah, and yeah, stuff. The, the f- and the feminine pronouns have... <laughs> Have like and the feminine pronouns have certain things, but they're not have misogynistic undertones. Yeah, I mean obviously they do, but um, yeah, no, but they're not inherently misogynistic when people say them. I think is what he was talking about. Yeah, yeah. um, but yeah, there, there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on, and there is this kind of criticism of the culture that he's been raised in, as opposed to yeah. the kind of person he is. Yes, well, that's and the a- kind of person he is is very caring, but he has to he has to um, project this yeah. tough image. Mm-hmm. And and I mean obviously Elton is disgusting. Yes, Elton is disgusting. And Sorry, I, I that no, was that's terrible. right. And even um, but I mean, and Brick and Meyer is kind of a sweetie too. He is, but he's also like he has to get over his problem. problems before yeah. he can deserve Ty, mm-hmm. who uh, doesn't really do anything in this movie deserving of anything. She just mm. kind of goes from one person to another. She, yeah, she goes from being kind of sweet to being a little shit. 
to being kind of sweet again. Yeah, but she never really does anything that I can think of that makes her an inherently good person or no, an well, inherently she's just a bad cipher person. onto she, which you know she's the cipher of the new kid. I mean, basically, her entire thing is just Brittany Murphy super cute at that point. Yeah, like and, and she was adorable. And she has that accent going on, and she does a little rolling with the homies bit, which is literally what I did when I found out she died. Um, when Brittany Murphy died, it was like the first thing I thought of. Um, that's so but, sweet and awful. And <laughs> I know, but it's, yeah. that's what yeah. I thought of. Um, but yeah, it, it's um, it's interesting that like, and and Cher is very shallow, but also quite clearly like a good person. She's from the incredibly start. kind. Yeah, not to people that she, th- not in terms of people's appearance and things like that. No, because I mean, like, yeah, the whole thing with Elisa Donovan's character and. Yeah, she's awful to her. Amber, right? Amber, yeah. Yeah, but I'm watching Amber going, oh, my God. Yeah, she Amber's worse. <laughs> Amber, no, it's she, the clothes they put on that girl. Like, everybody else <laughs> looks like 90s kind of to the max, but at least their outfits go together. There's a point at which Amber's wearing, like, pippy long stocking braids and a body sock that goes from her neck out to her arms and then down to her legs oh. and that has stripes on it. it's the ugliest thing i've ever seen in terms of clothes in a movie yeah when they're taking the when she's taking all the photos mm. amber's wearing that and you're like what <laughs> how what uh. whereas some of the dresses that Cher wears she could easily get away with today well yeah i mean unfortunately a lot of that stuff has come back into fashion Barely yeah drifts, I mean, but i mean <laughs> you would she would look yeah, like, she would still look people good. People would look good in those things today right, as exactly. opposed to looking terrible in them like they yeah, did in yeah. this movie. I mean, it, I mean, it doesn't hurt that Alicia Silverstone was like 19 years old and thin as a rake. No, but she, and, and I think that her being 19 years old really works for the character because she's yeah, yeah. just so like fresh-faced and well, she's, sweet. And, in, she's really good. There's some genuine moments of vulnerability mm. with her that she just, she just lets it all show. Yeah. I think uh, this is a movie that needs a very careful – you need to pitch your uh, your performance at a very careful level, kind of like we were talking about with Back to the Future, mm-hmm. because it is kind of walking this line between campy and realism. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and she does that really, really well. Yeah, because especially – I mean, the beginning of the movie is very – I remember I, – Watching it net back again today, I I watched it thinking, yeah, these these performances are all really heightened. Mm. Everyone's like got these, they've got these really sharp bits of dialogue, and they just kind of snap back and forth at one and, another. You know, and very timely references that don't date at all. No, not at all. And they um <laughs> and but they they also what that serves to do is it makes you. The words coming out of their mouth don't match the people that they are. Yeah, but and that's, that and that, that that's just perfect for this movie and exactly yeah. what you need to work through over the next three acts. Yeah, exactly. And but also the the uh, the the way that they talk and everything. People didn't talk like that in the nineties. Mm. <laughs> like anybody, nope. <laughs> uh, all of you kids today watching this movie, watching back on this, we did not talk like this in nineteen ninety five. Nobody talked like this no. in nineteen ninety five. It is a very much heightened reality kind of thing. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah, it, I don't. I'm not sure anyone believes that anyone talked like that. Oh no, I guarantee you, there are kids who watch this movie now, like teenagers who go, like, "Oh, people really talk oh, like 90s that." Oh, nineties slang. I'm going to pull some out. Yeah, this created slang. Yeah, I can remember magazines coming out with like definitions of the slang from Clueless yeah. back before we had the internet. It's it's kind of like 
Juno. It's ah, more like Juno, yeah, where yeah, Juno yeah. also did that thing where they've created slang. Yeah. But it, but the way that the kids talk in Juno was not the way that no, people were no. really talking at that point in time. Yeah. Uh, that there's nobody <laughs> wandering around talking about how that's one doodle that can't be done did home skillet and things like that. That's not. No. It's not realistic conversation. Um, <laughs> but I do think this movie has a very uh, Amy Heckling does did a really good job with this movie. It, this is fantastic. The adaptation and then the the screenplay is just spot on however i do think it kind of takes a while to get into it yeah i think it's a bit forced and a bit uncomfortable yeah. at the beginning and then it kind of gets more mm-hmm. everybody kind of gets more into it later this was like, the this was better my later criticism or uh, this was why i was noticing those heightened performances as well and we, we open with this montage of california kids mm. kind of stuff and then um, Kids in America plays underneath it, and like <laughs> I was going to talk about the musical cues in this. Movie. Oh my god, the music! I was writing down a list of. There's this like dramatic music that plays. Though that was this is the first time I kind of really the Kids in America thing I noticed. But there's this dramatic music that plays when they get their tests back or their their grades for the right, semester, yes, yep. and uh, Travis is going to throw himself out a window. But there's also like cartoony sound effects going on, and I was like, what is going on with the sound design in this mm. movie? It's, it's so really, odd, and but it's it's incredibly heightened. Yeah, like there's Travis has his own like indie rock theme music, and oh my god! But also like there's the 2001 Space oh, Odyssey. Yeah, the bit with the phone. Oh my god, with the phone, <laughs> which is amazing. just about a boy calling. And when she figures out that she loves Josh, there's the like the, the big the crescendo of music yeah, and the yeah. fountain in the background, and uh, all of the music is just very pointed, which also made it. The the uh the weirdest thing for me was that frat party they went to. Oh, with the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Yeah, and I'm like, really? There's the Mighty Boss Tones at a frat party? Well, I this was this hmm, a thing in the night? I'd forgotten about that because when we came back, she talks about this being at the frat, and I was like, oh, I just thought they'd somehow gotten into a club, club right? Yeah, like, and she was Never talking about realized. how some of Josh's friends are having a party. I'm like, there's no way Josh is friends with people who have a party who invite like the that. Mighty Boss Tones. <laughs> I know, right? He's 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 not even going to the damn party, and he's not. He's and how not is like she, he's cool enough to know those people? And he and her only connection to him, anyways, like it, well, her only connection to them is through him, and she just goes off to this party on her own anyway yeah. with her friends. We're not well, yeah. With Christian she takes Christian, but then Ty then shows Ty up, shows up as well, which is and then okay, Elton, Ty know to go and to then Elton party. and Amber are there, yeah, because they're dancing together, and she's yeah, like, yeah. he's going with Amber now, <laughs> and you're just like really going with. Yes, yeah, <laughs> they the say it twice. They say it a couple of times. It's very odd um, slang. In she movie. says it to she says it to Elton in the car just before oh, he attacks yeah, her. She right. says, I, "I'm not going to go. I don't want to go with you." Oh no, he says it. As, he says it as well. He says, you think I should go with? I'm going to go with Ty. By the way, the uh, the uh, the sexual attack and then the mugging mm-hmm. of Cher are played very lightly mm-hmm. in this film. Like even Josh mm. goes like, "Oh, you owe me for coming to pick you up." I'm like. She's just been nearly, like, she's just been, you know, kissed against her will, possibly nearly raped, and then been mugged. Why doesn't anybody care about this? Right, and the thing is, the... Like that's the whole reason he gets out of bed. Like he he answers the phone and he's like, "Oh shit, I I really I need to go and pick her up." Like he, of course she doesn't owe him. Like she's in trouble. Who else is she gonna call? Yeah, and um, well, yeah, but also, it, how come people don't go? Oh, you got mugged. You poor thing. Because you got out of a car where somebody was well, it's, sexually it's that, assaulting but you. But you know what? That's it's that double victim blaming. It's the it's your fault you got sexually assaulted, and it's your fault you're in a bad neighborhood. Yeah, but I don't feel like Josh would do that. No, to start Josh with. wouldn't do that. But that's the thing is that he does, and then after that, 
everything is about how uh, and I I just feel like it was a weird it's a weird kind of moment I guess yeah. it just doesn't feel like the rest of the film and it doesn't feel like and and it's played for laughs even within the yeah f- like in this the isn't scene. a liar yeah um yeah yeah the dress thing and stuff and then the guy goes sorry the the mugger says sorry when he runs away it's all played very light and you're like this is a very dark moment mm. and then like t- tinyly falling off a balcony is treated as a much bigger moment. I, I know very strange it's, it is odd the way that i did notice that that's very strange the way that happened oh and and it, because it all, those like three bad things all happen at once. Like she gets almost raped and, and mugged, Ty nearly falls off a balcony, and D has to drive on the freeway. That's like their three big scary things that happen to them. Yeah, and D driving on the freeway also treated as a bigger deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then and and also like, but everything is like it's this heightened teen reality. Yeah. But then when something actually bad happens, nobody pays attention to it. No. Also, the other terrible thing that happens to her is that she fails her driver's exam. Driver <laughs> test. Yeah, that's right. And that's like the worst thing that happens to her in the whole movie. Yeah. That's like the <laughs> thing that really, really depresses her is when yeah. she fa- – and then she's all grumpy. Not with- being held at gunpoint. Yeah, exactly. So, it, again, it's just weird. Yeah. It's a weird tone to mm. take for that particular thing. Yeah, especially as like – Elton is so clearly established as a sexual predator. Like, the first yeah. time we see him, we don't even see his face, we see him massaging her shoulders in yeah. glass, and he's so gross. And it's it's quite clear that this is not her fault. She hasn't done anything to deserve this. This is awful, and he's a terrible person. Yeah, I think I think the fact that Elton is, is not a good person is pretty well established. Although he is in the – he seems to be in the group of friends anyway, which is very strange. Um, but he isn't at the table with the boys at the end of the movie, at least. No. Um. So he's not like – well, after one that, of the main group at the end. Well, after that, they actually do have him like back off. Like he's still sitting behind her in class, but he's not trying to touch her or anything. So he actually yeah. backs off eventually. Yeah, and you know he's off with Amber. So and I don't. Whatever. Yeah, and I don't. But what I don't know is if that's because he's found another target. But yeah. he's found Amber, so you know. Um. But yeah, that also I couldn't stop thinking at the end of the movie how weird it was that all these teenagers, like all these students, are at their teacher's wedding and that Cher is one of the bridesmaids. Bridesmaid. Well, like. I guess because she's the one who hooked them up. Yeah, yeah. Is the kind of the idea. But like, if my student hooked me up with one of the other teachers, I'm not going to make them a bridesmaid. No, <laughs> like, that's well, weird. actually. Although I did, I did notice these teachers. I was writing down the lesson topics. These are actually good teachers. Oh yeah. Like you, um, we open with a debate on Haiti. There's a lesson on violence in the media. They she learned that she learns about which, by the way, Cher is very smart about both. Of those I know things. she has she gives in these her, excellent debates. She gives these excellent off the cuff debates, right? Where which she's is why done no research at all. Which is why it's so hilarious that she's getting like a C for debating because she's well, obviously amazing no, I at think debating. It's fair because he's trying to go. Like you're supposed you to need research. to, yeah, you need <laughs> but, to actually do the work here. You can't just come into class and wing it every time. But good teaching, I think he's right? Completely fair. Like he and yeah, Wallace Shawn is clearly a good teacher up both... until the point where he gives her an A anyway. But that's more about her establishing share than establishing yeah. them. So yeah, exactly. And um, then, then they're like they're trying really hard in their mm. in their lessons, and they've got um. Yeah, they don't fall into that uh, terrible teacher trope of any ninety percent. Yeah, yeah. Of, like, like they they don't Hollywood. they're not too close to their students. They're not uh, until teaching, the end when they invite yeah, them yeah. all to their wedding. They're not teaching like inappropriately for the grade level or anything like that. Yeah, no. Uh, for the most part, they're pretty good as far as teachers on film. I mean, so. other than the PE department, who are all just stereotyped as lesbians. Oh yeah, there's some weird homophobia in this movie too, because yeah. like it has, I think. At that point, it was like one of the first positive portrayals of a gay person I'd ever seen in a movie or anything. Yeah, in, in Christian. 
because Christian, probably. like watching it now, I'm just like Christian's. He's really a sweetheart. He's a yeah. really nice kid. I mean, he's a f- giant dork. Like the stuff that he's into is super dorky, and she's so into it too, which I think is hilarious. And I thought that was so like teenagery, mm. you know, like oh, just he's going so- along with it because he's cool and different. And, yeah, but yeah. she's not just that, but she's like, oh, he's so like cute and dreamy because he likes the so fashion. Sophisticated, he's so yeah. Sophisticated, and really, he's just a really big dork. And the way that he like projects this fake confidence, and then when the dad calls him out on it, he's just like, um. <laughs> really funny yeah um i liked the scenes with him a lot this time like when i was i just really enjoyed that whole section of the movie i thought he was very funny yeah okay Um, i'd always just sort of felt a bit sorry for her at that point oh i do feel uh, there's that too but you know and it's not because of anything he's doing Mm. i think it's just a misunderstanding and yeah you know it's fine but it's also pretty funny just to see yeah like i think that that portrayal of teenagedom is very accurate yes very funny and very sharp. And there's a couple of things like that in the movie where I was thinking, like, this is really great. Yeah, well, the, and- well, the language that they used is another example of that. That the really that I think I just talked earlier about a third-year philosophy student being stoned with their friends. There's a lot of that kind of using big language to show off yeah. their intellectualism. And you, I did that but as then a teenager, every so I often, know. Then every so often Cher shows that she's actually smart, like the Polonius bit mm-hmm. and, and some some other bits yeah. of the movie, you know, when she she can do the debating off the cuff and stuff like that. 98 in geometry. And yeah. then Josh is all impressed with her and it's adorable. Yeah. <sighs> they really are And she's so obviously cute. smart because she's 15 and her lawyer dad is bringing her in to help on a case. Like she, she's, she's highlighting stuff. Well, no, that's what she's doing to the first time. She's obviously no, stays the second time involved. She's highlighting. That's what she says she's doing. She took the October files to look through them for the September 3rd calls. And that's how she messes up yeah. the... I, I watched this movie about two hours ago. So <laughs> I remember very okay. clearly all the stuff that happened. Right. So she's only just highlighting. I mean, still, like the fact that he trusts her to do all that kind of stuff, even though she's barely out of high school and he's... He's got actual paid lawyers to help him out with stuff. Yeah. It's still a thing, I think. He's still – I mean, that goes back to then Cher's relationship with her dad and how he only respects her on the level of it, her being like him, which is problematic, of course. Yeah, I think – I don't think that he's meant to be the uh, picture of a great dad. No, I think no. it's more that he's all she's got and she adores him um, and she's such a sweet person that she just kind of gives – um, which is I, I just all of it's really nice. Yeah. Um, I think and and the home stuff is so good because they the, uh, um Paul Rudd and Alicia Silverstone really do like work well off each other. They they have a very nice easy chemistry in this mm-hmm. film and yeah. and it uh it makes all those problems with it kind of smooths over all those weird yeah. weirdnesses because they're just going so on. sweet together and yeah. he's so dreamy and at least he's not actually her first cousin like in the book Emma. So there's that. That's true. And he's also probably more interesting than any of the uh the is it, it starts with N, right? The guy who the her love interest from Emma. Oh, yeah, uh, I'm confused now cuz in the movie he was played by Jeremy North. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe that's where I'm getting it <laughs> yeah, from. Yeah, I I'd have to I'd have to look it up. I can't remember. I can't remember his name. Um but yeah, that the Gwyneth Paltrow one. Yeah. Which I, I loved that movie when I watched it when I was a teen as well. I'm like, Hugh Laurie's in that. And I'm like, no, that's Sense and Sensibility. No, Sense and Sensibility, which is probably a, a superior film. But um, anyway. Well, you know, Emma Thompson. Anyway, do you want to give Clueless a rating? Oh, God, this is the hardest thing I've ever had to rate because I just have like years of history with this movie. Years I had to rate The Goonies. Movie. Yeah, I know. That's true. <laughs> I will probably give it a four. 
four stars. Hmm. I'm wavering between four and four and a half. I, I did that while I was umming there for a second. I don't know. Because it's so clever. Like even it is. Like there's only kind of I can only think of really minor kind of quibbles with it. And, even the stuff that I thought was jarring at first, I was like, oh yeah, I can see where this fits in. Like the the musical stuff mm. was at first jarring, but then you once you get into it. I just think it's it's so different and strange in the first like 15 20 minutes that it took me a little while to kind of get into the rhythm of the film mm. and there's that weirdness with the mugging yeah very strange tonally but i mean overall I'd, i'll give it four and a half stars mm-hmm. fair enough okay cool okay. um Wrap thank you time. very much for listening to the silver screen queens podcast if you would like to uh, have your own favorite or least favorite movie uh, discussed by us please feel free to go on to the itunes um website store store app whatever and uh and give us a rating and a review and we will definitely get to your movie if you would like to find us on social media we are on facebook just look up silver screen queens um we are on twitter at screen underscore queens um we are on tumblr uh which is silver screen tumblr.silverscreenqueens i always get that around the wrong way dot com uh if you want to read katie's blog where she reviews Lots and lots of movies. The X Machina review is up now. That's silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. And if you want to find our show notes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. I'm sorry it has been a while since I did movie reviews. It's just that I got really into Daredevil, and that's literally all I've been doing for about two weeks. But anyway, um, thank you very much for listening. Bye. Bye.